Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. What a great day it was last weekend. I want to welcome those watching online, welcome those at our McKinney campus. You were a part of Serve Day as well, and I can't thank you enough for all of you that came out to serve. We had so many projects. We helped the city again. Last year, we cleared all the code violations. This year, we were involved in some remodel projects. We built a gazebo in Bear Creek Park, cleaned it up, served senior centers, served our first responders. We had most every fire department, police station in several communities in our region where we showed them how much we loved them. We got reports back from emergency rooms where we took and we served uh, food and different things to people all over our community. And the message is clear, the message of Jesus, that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So his vehicle is clear, his message is clear, but many times as the church, we miss the real simple understanding that people don't really care about what you know until they know how much you care. And so thank you for being a church that's the hands and feet of Jesus, the way you give generously, you serve others, you love people, and uh, what a demonstration. I just... I think it's awesome, you know, the church gets a bad rap, you know, we're a bunch of frail people, we make some mistakes, but I'm gonna tell you, when we come together and everybody brings their part, it's such an awesome display of Christ's love. And so I wanna encourage you, we have second Saturday serve that you can participate in. Uh, we also will have serve day next year, and so what an exciting time it was last weekend, the way we had an opportunity to love really our region and both communities here in Keller and McKinney as well. We're in a series, if you're new though, for the last couple of weeks, we're in this series on something we all care about a lot, and that is our families. And no matter if you're a single person or you're an empty nester or where you're at in the overall picture of family, we all are touched by it and we all care about it. So if we care about it that much and the Bible has answers for us, I think it's good that we spend some time talking about it, and so that's what we've been doing together. And so the first week, I talked about the biblical picture and I talked about marriage and last weekend we spent some time talking about young people in general and this weekend I wanna focus in on a group that seems to be a overlooked group but a group that requires a little more skill to bring them into everything that God has for them and I had a conversation. I sat down and had a very powerful, meaningful conversation with a group of teenagers and high school students. And I tell you before you say, well, I'm past that phase, thank God, praise him. If you say, I've never been to that phase, get ready. You say, well, that doesn't pertain to me, but we all in our community, we're, we're a part of relationships with this group of people. We all are going to one day have them leading us we, we all care about their future and then those of us that are looking to it and those of us that are grandparents and aunts and uncles, we care about it and in fact, in our community, we, we talk about it a lot. We talk about teenagers and the thing I've learned is a lot of times we don't talk to them because they forget how to talk sometimes at this phase of life. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. You get the grunt, how you doing? Uh, a little more please, okay. 
but I found that they were ready to talk, and so I sat down and had a conversation with them, and so I'd like to look at what they said, let them help me preach a little bit, and then us go to the Word of God to see if we can find some help in this area. Watch this conversation with me. I wanna talk about how we can best help you, how we can come alongside you, help you become what you're called to be. What do you think is the greatest pressure that you deal with? If you worry about something, what is it that you worry about? I have like a stepmom, I don't have a stepdad, but I have a stepmom and I feel like I have to meet a certain expectation to get that attention from my dad. Yeah. Like, that's the pressure that I feel sometimes. My parents are divorced too. And I can't just like go to somebody and, you know, like have that connection with somebody. I feel like the world is so like shut off. That's one of the things that's kind of hard. Like, my um, mom and my stepdad, they're not together anymore and he's always been there for me. And um, my mom, she moved to Houston and I had to move with her. And that was really, really hard for me because I had to move in the summer and it was this past summer and I felt like I was by myself. And it felt really hard to connect to people. <clears throat> it felt like people were really closed off. And I was always like really sad. I was in like a really bad place. But I had friends there that were helping me. It's all about people just opening up mm -hmm. and just getting through that barrier. So you're saying, I mean, you guys have different family contexts, but what you're saying is it's a big deal to you for people to open up their life to you and just say, hey, let's discuss, let's talk. Like, I mean, that makes, it makes a big difference. Riley, what do you, what do you worry about? Um, I worry about like not living up to the like standards of like the perfect daughter or the perfect kid, you know? Right, so you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you to, to meet those and do you worry about college you worry about your grades definitely right so that fits in there mm -hmm. as well and so where do you think that pressure comes from myself I feel like I put the pressure on myself you put the pressure on yourself mm -hmm. and so how how could we help with that I would say just maybe being like super supportive like not necessarily only having expectations but like rewards too not like materialistic awards but no, um, I get it I know what you're saying but more like being um, supportive yeah I didn't have a cell phone when I was your age. How can we help you with that? What's the biggest struggle with technology? What are, what are the challenges related to it? Pretty much now with technology, you're on Instagram, one click of a button, and you're down the page looking at something that you should have no business looking at. And it just snowballs from there. There's always a way around a restriction. There's always a way to find what you're looking for. So. I feel like for me, more than just like restricting my phone, it's fixing the mindset. When you're at school five days a week and you're with all those other people, like the way they talk, the way they view people, like it can rub off on you if you don't have the right mindset on it. So y'all, with the technology thing, y'all want us to help you with it? I mean, it's like, be involved with it. For me, I like, 
when growing up, like um, how I talked about earlier, just like not really having a lot of friends and stuff, like I would go on like Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat and be like, oh, all these people are hanging out and I'm sitting here like with a bag of chips watching Netflix. Like, should I be like, like if I'm not good enough to have friends, like no one inviting me to hang out. To me, like my mom would tell me, hey, how about both of us? Like, let's put our phones away and let's just have like time to ourselves. And let's, like my mom and I would like sit in her bed and like read a book or something, you know? Like, and that really helped me, like her saying, let's do it together. You know, yeah. like, let me not just discipline you, but how about we do it together? Like, yeah. let's put our phones away. We're gonna have good time. We're not gonna worry about that, you know? Cause that's not who we're called to be. We're not called to be someone who cares about other people's opinions. You know, we're not called to be someone who only looks at themselves um, through other people, you know? And so um, that really helped me knowing that like my mom wanted to grow with me. You know, she wanted to be there for me. She wasn't just, okay, well you go put your phone away as she sits down on her phone and scrolls through Facebook. It's just that like constant encouragement and like them not giving up on you. Cause like sometimes even if like I don't respond like to what she says, it really like helps me like inside. And so. So when you don't respond to the text, <laughs> y'all still are reading them is what you're yes, saying? Yes, yes. Okay, that helps. I think one thing that our generation has an issue with is also respect. And I don't know very many kids that have just all out respect for their parents. Even myself, I struggle with that a lot. I think like meeting in the middle for a lot of relationships would help out. You know, like um, the children having respect, I think that's something that a lot of, that this generation so you're needs to learn. The kids respecting, but also the parents respecting your opinion? Yes, yeah. yes sir. So like if we'll like actually let you guys share Absolutely. what's going on and at the same and time, involve you in it. Is that what you're trying to yes, communicate? Sir. Yes, yeah. sir. So it's time, not I'm just. It's it's including you in the in the discussion. I feel yeah. like when you give the trust, it at least to me when I know that people are like, okay, she's not going to do bad. It's like if I do bad, like I start to feel bad. Like I did something bad and I didn't tell anybody about it, and it was like eating me up for like a week, and I was like, I feel so bad. I couldn't run away with it. But I was like, I felt bad about it, so I told like them like what happened, and it made me just feel better. But and how did they respond? Then, they were like, I'm happy they told me. Mm -hmm. If like my friend wants me to go do something, I know that that's wrong. Like I'm really thinking like they expect me not to do this. They have that trust in me. I should let them keep so, that. So trust. the trust yeah. actually makes you want yeah. to not break yeah. the trust. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like us opening up to them and like telling them what's going on is like what builds out the most. What would y'all say to a parent? who has a kid that's where you were, Evan, and, and, they're, and they're really, really concerned about them. From personal experience, my parents went through a lot, because they knew I wasn't living for the Lord, but they didn't know it was, it was as bad as it was. And the only thing I can say is now our generation is getting so good with hiding things, or at least I did, personally. My parents struggled so long with trying to find a way to um, change me, I guess, like find something. They, they knew their faith was strong. What could they do to make my faith strong? And, and just, they, they prayed for years for me. And I would say prayer is one of the biggest things and, and you take it for granted a lot, but um, I know the reason why that happened to me, the Lord did that to me, was my parents' prayer. I think that just more advice, like, yeah, I went through this too. Let me tell you what I learned and maybe you can learn something too and we can talk about it together. For all of y'all, dad's, dad's approval is a big deal for you. Yeah, definitely. Beginning of the school year, like a lot of things happened to me, like right at the same time, like everything was going really, really good and then it just dropped. And like there was like, it felt like there was nothing there for me. And just being able to sit down with my dad 
And like we sat at our little breakfast table and he just opened up the Bible and we just talked back and forth. He told me about things that was going on at work. I told him about what was going on in my life and just me being able to cry on his shoulder and not just have to have, okay, I'm strong because I'm around my dad, but to be able to open up like that because that made a huge impact on everything. Like there's no way I can express how big of an impact it was uh, for parents just to realize like, they never know how big of an impact that something that small, just like, hey, let's sit down and talk about what's going on. Like, I see you're struggling, whatever. Tell me about it and be 100% honest. If I say like, okay, dad, let's sit down, let's talk, but I'm not comfortable like truly getting down to the yes. nitty gritty, we're never gonna gain anything out of it. Going through it together instead of, yeah, like what she was talking about, like both of you putting your phones away, instead of saying, being there for the moment as a parent and just being like, I feel for you, I understand you're going through this and then like going away, like how you said that your friends, like some of them, they'd like check in and then go away. I feel like you should, you need to move together through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Instead of just like a, on Monday at 10 o'clock, I'll talk to you and then like let a couple days like go past and then talk to you again. It used to be like a consistent thing of going with them and like, Dads are huge, huh? Oh, yeah. I feel like what everybody's saying really boils down to, like, the communication aspect between mm -hmm. parents and having, like, what I said earlier, like, the walls that people have. Mm -hmm. Like, just being able to just, like, let that go and just talk. Mm -hmm. Like, just like how we're talking. Yeah, just let your guard everything. down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not being so, like, worried about what they're going to think and really just, like, the talking aspect of it mm -hmm. and, like, letting everything just go. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to, down. the communication. I want to say thank you to these young people for their transparency. I have to tell you, um, we spent, I showed you just a little bit of our conversation, but we spent one evening from about 7.30 to 8 o'clock and looked up and it was like 10.15 and their parents were texting saying, where are you? Because we got so absorbed in the conversation and I was so impressed <clears throat> with these young people. I was so impressed with their immediate transparency, their honesty, their willingness to just open up their lives. And let me tell you, we don't give them credit. They got a lot more on the ball than we give them credit for sometimes. There's huge potential there if we'll engage with them in the process and they're asking for that help. Now I gotta tell you, there were things they said that were kind of surprising. There were things that I couldn't show on the weekend. It's like Jesus said to his disciples, there are things I have to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> they live in a challenged world. They have real issues. They live in a place where a lot of us don't even understand where they live. There's a major gap. And really my heart this weekend for us is to try to help us through the word of God close the gap. Close the gap that the enemy wants us to have between us and them. There's a lot of barriers just by every generation has a different set of issues and challenges, and yet no matter what generation it is, there continues to be this enemy's desire to create a larger gap between us. And I began to pray about how we could really understand how to close the gap. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I wanna look at it and I want us to get some insight into how the word of God maybe could help us understand how to close that gap. 
You know, that my, my kids, there's, a lang, there's even a language gap, you know? There's all these new words. They're using these, lit. Lit, when I was a kid, was like you're catching something on fire. Now it means it's really awesome, you know? And they, they say, Dad, that's extra. What does that mean, okay? That's savage. One of, my daughter said the other day, said, Dad, Mom glowed up. I thought, is there a light on her? What does that mean? She said, no, she, she, she grew up and got better. I said, well, you get up under a big shade tree like this, you'll get better too. But anyway, no, I said, I'm just, I'm just playing. But there's all these new words and there's all these text codes and you know, all these different things. But at the end of the day, we're still created by God, for God. We're still uh, people who God can touch in a way that no one else can. And so 1 Corinthians 13, is where as I prayed, I asked God, I said, God, how do we close this gap? As I listen to the needs of these young people, how, how do we close this gap? And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. And I've never met a parent, whether their children were doing great or they had struggles, or parents that are on this side of the teenage years who don't say, you know what, I, I love my kids. I mean, you love your spouse, you, you love some things in life, but I'm gonna tell you, we, we love our kids. It's something that we value at the highest level. And so if you ask a parent if you love your children, they would say, yes, I love my children. But my question is, do you know what love is? Do you know how to love them? Do you understand that there's a gap there? Because a lot of times what we're saying as the word love is not the complete expression of love as expressed from the word of God. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, and we a lot of times read this at weddings. Actually, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. They have some relational challenges, and this is really expressed in a broad set of relationships, from marriage to home to family to church relationships, and he writes some things about love. So if you say you love your kids, this is what God says love is. Love is patient. You ever needed a little patience in the teenage years? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It, do, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. You did what? It's not easily angered. I'll tell you the demeanor in this phase of life, we all fail at it. But if we could have a little more of this, it creates a whole different atmosphere. It keeps no record of wrongs. Did you know you, more than anyone else, will know all the failures and all the wrongs and what they looked at that they shouldn't have, what they said, the attitude they had. You will have a list of wrongs on your children. It says here though, love doesn't keep a record. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices. Look at this, you say, well I love my kids so I give them whatever they want. I just tell them, you know what, you're right. You're valuable, you're approved, even when they're doing wrong. No, 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 that's not love. Love also rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts. Did you notice what they were saying? We're gonna talk about that in a minute. It always trusts. Some of you are like, Jeff, I mean, I'm in trouble here in this phase of my life. I'm in trouble in this. I don't, I... But look what love does. It always hopes. And it always perseveres no matter what you're facing. It still keeps on persevering. And look what it says here. If we'll understand this kind of love, 
love never fails. Love never fails. So love can close the gap. And so if you say, what do you think that you received from listening to these students? And then as I prayed about it, I read this love chapter and I thought, man, I'm so far from that kind of love. But I wanna close the gap because I love my children. So how how do I do that? I, I felt like this is just a good thesis for us to think about in this season as you go into it. It's such a good thought and that's this. In this season, here's what I need from you. I need you to love me the way that I need, not the way you know. So if you know how to correct, then you may need to learn how to affirm. If you know how to shape, you may need to learn how to understand. You may need to learn some things that are opposite from how you're wired. To close the gap, you're gonna have to learn the full expression of God's love because what they're saying to us is, in this season, I I sometimes don't really need your counsel because I already know what I'm doing wrong. I need you to just sit and have a bag of chips and watch Netflix. I need you to go on a walk with me. I need you just to be with me. I need you to not try to fix me all the time. I need you to understand me. So what you're saying is, I don't know how. None of us do. We all have wirings, we have history, we have personalities, we have perspectives, but that's the great thing about the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus and God himself who is love. If we let him fill us, we can express a dimension of his love that'll close the gap. It'll start closing the gap. I read something from the Dean of Students from Stanford University where she said, with my own children, and now working with students, thousands of your students, she gave a little picture that I thought was very insightful and she said, what I find is a lot of times we're, we're looking at this teenage adolescent phase wrong. She said a lot of times we're looking at it like a bonsai tree and did you know in the early days, all these young families that just dedicated children, in the early phase of parenting, you better do a lot of shaping. You better do a lot of attitude adjustment. Let me tell you, there's a window there where you better make sure that you don't break their spirit, but you better deal with the rebellion that is bound up in their heart. Some of you said, those are cuties. They don't have any rebellion. You've never had a two-year-old. No, no, sin's bound up in their heart. And so we have to be not their friend, but be their parent. And we do a lot of shaping. And I wanna tell you, in cultures and atmospheres like ours where we tend to engage and shape and counsel and we've got all this, here's the hard part of moving into adolescence. As they move into that teenage phase, yes, you're still there giving counsel and shaping, but one thing you start to realize is you back off from doing so much cutting and you start building a conducive environment to not be a bonsai tree, but a wildflower that has an expression. One of the greatest surprises of my life is that you think you have your kids figured out and they surprise you with the different, you're like, here's what they are, oh, no, no, no. You think you're shaping the bonsai tree, but God put gifts and callings in there. God put expressions. God put, he created them. He in Psalm 139, he says they're fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And so what do you do? I'm telling you how to close the gap. Think atmosphere in this phase a little bit more. Not so much of the cutting and shaping, but the atmosphere. 
One of the most meaningful times in my life, my father, I tell the story in different places when I teach on this, was when I was in need of discipline. I was about 12 or 13 and I was moving into this new phase and I was in need of discipline. My dad is six foot seven and uh, he knew how to do it. And I was scared of him and I still am. And I needed lots of discipline. So I can't even remember why he was gonna give me discipline because there's too many times that I needed it to even remember. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't be so hard on that kid that needs a lot of discipline, they may do something great for God one day. But instead of giving my, me discipline, and I like to say it this way, instead of zigging, he zagged. He, he, just, he just pulled a move on me. And when he came in to give me discipline, he sat down with me and he had a meaningful conversation and talked about the fact that he lost his dad at nine years old and how much he cared about me and how much he was looking into my purpose and my future and the reason. And, and actually, the conversation that was an intimate conversation with my father where he opened up some of his own hurts and shared with me actually broke me and helped me understand at a different level. What do I mean by that? I mean that what they're saying to us is, we know you have that move. Do you have any of the other moves? Do you have the way to love me when I need it this way? Because that closes the gap. And so as I listen to them, I want you to know I'm not an expert. I listen to them. I learn some things myself by listening to this two and a half hour transparent, meaningful conversation. And I'd just like to share with you what I'm learning because I'm in it with you. So no one take this message as this guy's the expert on all of this. I, I believe we're having a conversation and learning. Here's some things I took from our conversation. What did they identify? Number one, pressure. They, they, they feel pressure. I began to talk to them about pressure. I would ask them, do you feel pressure? Do you feel pressure? All of them, I feel pressure. I love Riley, the 14-year-old there. She's 14 years old. Did you see how articulate? She works in our kids' ministry. She already feels called to work with children. I never met her before. I'd never met any of these students before. And she said, I said, where does the pressure come from? She said, I put it on myself. I put it on myself. Are you worried about your future? Are you worried about whether you'll, are you worried about you're gonna mess your life up? Yes. I have enough pressure. So they're saying there's pressure. And what they said, I put it on myself. We put it on ourselves, they're saying to us. And I believe our, our response needs to be to understand first and help second. What they're seeking for is, sometimes I know you can't fix the pressure that I have, but what it does, it helps me because I go into a pressure-filled world all week long. And nowadays, I can't leave the pressure of it because all those people I go to school with, they come home with me every night. So my pressure never ends. When we were kids, we went and played with a rock or a stick or stay outside and don't come in because you're letting the air conditioning out. Now they don't have that. It's all, the world is there and there's pressure, pressure. So they're saying, you can be such a great outlet for me to process my pressure. You can be such a great place for me to process that. So understand, love is patient, love is kind. You wanna know a little move that's more wildflower than bonsai, a little more zig than zag, don't talk performance so much. Start talking about heart. Start talking about attitude. Start encouraging them in that. Just, just, just a little different move that could build a connection and close the gap to a different level. By the way, they pick up on it when your main goal is 
don't embarrass me. You are a symbol in this culture and community and you need to do something great and I'm now living vicariously through you. They pick up on that and you know what it does? It adds to their pressure. They have enough pressure themselves. Here's number two, trust. They talked about trust a lot. You know what they said? Stop trying to fix our problems. I'm not asking you to fix it. I just need you to listen. I need you to trust me. So our response needs to be extend trust and expect trust. And so they said, we know it when we blow it. And so there's this atmosphere where as they begin to get older, there's adequate levels of trust given. And with trust comes responsibility. So there's nothing wrong with expecting trust and dialoguing about the trust that is given, but they want you to trust them to adult. Everyone's talking about how we have a whole generation of young people who don't know how to adult. Well, let me tell you, we start training that in this season of their life. In this season of their life, it's, yes, we're to protect at the, at the level where that's proportionate to their age, but love always trusts. What did they say to me? Don't charge down to the school and fight our battles all the time. Don't fight with our friends. Don't call our boss. Don't do our homework and quit yelling at our coaches. That's what they said. You, you think they want it, but really they want to be trusted with the responsibility to handle their own problems. Number three, technology. What'd they say? It's not easy. They said it's not easy. Well, they don't have to tell us it's not easy because those of us who are supposed to be coaching them know it's not easy. It's not easy to live in that world. Did you notice the young man who transparently said, you can be on Instagram and be in a place that you shouldn't be very quickly? But I comment on this a lot, and we have a special retreat called Battle of the Sexes where I am full on engaged in this area of our culture with young people. And the reason I am is because as much as we talk about it, as much as we put on atmospheres for young people to get help in this area, I believe still, as a culture and as parents, we're not as engaged as we should be in this area of their life. And so it's, it's a challenge for them. And, and yet, I was encouraged by the fact that they said they wanted help. So our response needs to be think boundaries, not rules. Think boundaries, not rules. Why do we set up an entire retreat to put these young people in the presence of God and hear from God, build their own convictions, because that's really all we have. Did you know they even have code language to say to their friends when you're looking over their shoulder or when you're in the room or whether you're present or not? They, they, they're on to us. So we'll never be able to hawk them into having the right attitude toward technology. Ultimately, all we have is we have their own conviction from the Holy Spirit and their own understanding. That's ultimately what we're training. I loved what the young guy said. He said, look, what I need is I need you to help me get free. I need you to help me with my paradigm. I need, to help, I need you to help me with that part of this battle. Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We have to help them build their own boundaries and their own processes and Start learning how to do this. At night, leave your door open. At night, leave your phone here. Do, so work on building the boundaries with them. This is a great challenge they have. Number four, the disconnection. 
the gap. Some of you just feel like my young person has started pushing me away. Here's what they said. We're not trying to push you away, but it starts happening because there's hurt and there's missed expectations and we got all these hormones going on and we don't even know who we are and we don't know about where we're gonna go in the future and we've got pressure and so we don't know how to handle it so we're trying to do it on our own and we don't know if anybody will help us with it and so we start pushing you away but we don't wanna push you away but we are pushing you away. 1 Corinthians 13, seven says, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. Our response is, don't stop leaning in. Didn't you like the little humorous moment where I looked at them and I said, so when we text you and you don't respond, you are reading the text? And they said, yes, okay, (laughs) thank God. Send them a little encouragement. I'm praying for you this morning. You know what, let's have coffee sometime this week. I'm with you, you can do this, I'm standing with you. And every time you see them adult, when you see them operate from a place of conviction, affirm that action. Affirm it, keep pressing into it. Every time there is some connection, press into it because the enemy wants to divide you and your young person. Here's number five, dads. I asked them the question, and I'll tell you transparently and honestly, I didn't have it as a planned question. I really didn't have a lot of planned questions. I went into it, and I'll be honest with you, right off the bat, they started talking, I started crying, we started having a great conversation, and I, at the end of it, it's like 10 something, okay? There's phones off camera that are buzzing. Parents are like, where are Okay, and I was getting tired. I'll tell you, I I used to be able to do this for hours and hours, and I don't know if I'm getting older, but it's like 10 o'clock, I don't know what time it is. I'm talking to these young people, I'm emotionally engaged, I'm pouring out emotion, they're pouring emotion out, and I'm sitting there talking to them, and and, and I started feeling tired. And I thought, man, I, I, I gotta shut this down. I mean, you guys, this is too much. And so, and the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, ask them about dads. And I said, what about dads and man? The emotion of the room changed. You know what they said? The love and approval of dad is different and it really matters to me. In this phase of life, can I say to you ladies, thank God for the moms, thank God for how much you hold the fort down, thank God for being our cheerleaders. We're having Mother's Day coming up. But the fact is, Mother's Day is almost like a mini Easter in the church. Father's Day is the worst attended Sunday of the year. So ladies, I love you, I appreciate you. But you know what they told me? Our response is, dads, I'm here for you, I'm proud of you, and those words carry weight in this season of their life. And I wanna just encourage some of you guys, you gotta get in the game. You gotta get in the game. I'm gonna tell you, that business deal, that promotion, all those things you're living for is not going to matter to you as much as this area of your life. You got to get in the game because your voice is big it carries so much weight you can help them get to the next level in such a powerful way and I'm not trying to beat you up I'm just telling you what they said they started crying to me talking about how big a deal that is some of you go well I don't have a dad or I'm past that or whatever that's even where the church comes in I'm so proud of several of the men in our church that take uh, people take young people and, and, and just 
take them to games and reach out to them. Single moms, we reach out. I, I'm not trying to condemn or, or, or put pressure on anybody. I mean, I, and, and by the way too, we're all part of this equation. We're all part of this. When you do family series, or sometimes some of you that are empty nesters go, you know, this, this church is all young people in this. Don't let the enemy lie to you. This church is full of people from all ages. There are, there are whole segments of small groups of empty nesters. There are people in their 50s, 40s, 30s. We have a, just a diverse group of people from all walks of life, but we're a spiritual family. And you know what spiritual families do? They think about sons and daughters. They think about sons and daughters. So we all have a part to play in raising sons and daughters. We're doing this as a team. We're in this together to help raise up a generation that can change the scenario. You know, this area of our life, it sneaks up on us fast. I mean, I'm just, I'll be honest with you, people tell you, it's like everything in life, people that have been there tell you and you go, ah, no, no, and then it's real. The fact is, it goes by really quick. I got one graduating, one right behind her, it just goes by so fast, and I wanna encourage those of you that are in different seasons of the journey to think about that, because it goes by really fast, and the investment you make is really big. And so I love these young people, and as I walked away from that table, I had so much encouragement in my heart regarding where these young people are. I was just amazed. I was amazed at what they observed, what they knew, what God was doing in them, the potential on the inside of them. I was encouraged with where they can go. And yet I also thought about how powerful it is them sitting around that table, and I just thought back to just a few years ago, other students that are around that table. I just wanna give you a little snapshot of this, of how this works. And I just thought about that table, and then I thought about some students that have grown up in this atmosphere. Ethan and Tristan, I think about them, both of them coming through our youth program. Tristan now works in our accounting department. Ethan's finishing his school, both of them in ministry together. Emma, who was saved in our youth group and was one of the largest connectors of young people in our area, who now is a part of our team. Taisha, who came here and she was radically changed at one of these retreats. And now she went to Berkeley School of Music and sings all over the country. Ariana, who got a full ride scholarship to Vanderbilt University and is just, there's explosive things she's doing in the corporate world, amazing young lady. I think about Ben. Ben was one of these students, came through this atmosphere, went on to be student body president at Texas A&M University, which we don't know how that will affect his future, but you know, you can't get it all. Um, became the chaplain of the Corps, 2,600 people he was responsible for and now is studying for ministry. I could go on and on and some of them could be your nephew or niece or your, Children, I, I'm trying to say to you, the future's bright for the next generation. If we'll love them like they need to be loved in this season of their life, and you feel inadequate, I know you do, and I do too. And that's why we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us love them in a way sometimes we don't know how. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me, and I want us to pray together. Father. I thank you, Lord, that there are some here who say, I've never received that love. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you're watching online or watching by video and you say, I need that 
relationship with Jesus you're talking about, Pastor Jeff. Well, you do. You need it not only to parent your children, you need it for everything in life. You need it for your eternity. You need that person. And so you may just say, Jesus, here I am. I give myself to you. I surrender myself to you. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Come into my life and become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. We have a baptism class coming up. We have Discovery 101 at the first of every month. We'd like to help you learn how to take steps if you really prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. But second of all, Lord, I pray right now. I pray that you would fill us with your love. Fill us with a dimension of your love that we know is not resident in our natural personality. It's not part of our normal wiring. Lord, we thank you that you're sufficient in our weakness. You're, you're complete in us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're going to help us. I pray right now for someone that has a struggle in this area. I pray for teachers, Lord. I pray for coaches. I pray for people that work with young people, managers. Lord, we thank you that you're gonna help us be an extension of your love to the generation coming behind us, that they may go farther, that they may go faster, that our ceiling would become their platform. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 